Welcome to the Path Design Podcast. Welcome to the Path Design Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. In the middle of the day, you're probably considering having some lunch. Are we having lunch? Mama has I don't know. Got start. Oh no! Oh shh! Don't talk about that. Um, well, hey, this is Noah Daniel. I'm Joel. We're hanging out here. It's another beautiful day. Um, the grass is turning green. Everything's beautiful. It is an awesome day to be alive, is it not? Yes. What's your favorite thing that you have planned for today? Hi, Mr. David Cole. Ooh, we have a friend coming from out of state to visit. We're very stoked. It's going to be an awesome night. We're going to have an awesome dinner tonight. We're going to talk about the things of the Lord, share our testimonies with one another. Are you teaching tonight? No? no. Listen, just real quick before Noah moves on, what is it that we just talked about that I said, what's that guy's name that touched the Ark of the Covenant and got zapped? Uzzah. Uzzah. I couldn't remember his name. I taught on him a year ago. I gave Noah Daniel a pop quiz and he passed with flying colors. It's always encouraging when your children teach you the scriptures, right? It's kind of convicting. Good job, Noah. You have anything else to say? Uh, you have anything you could tell them that you learned today in our whiteboard teaching time? Um, Do you remember what it was? Yeah, I think I remember. Yeah? What was it? Do you remember? It was this one right here. Okay. Why don't you go ahead and read it because that's what we're going to talk about today. Are you sure and the way, the truth... In the life, no one comes to the Father but through me. Okay, now where is that? John 14, verse 6. John 14, verse 6. So I just want to talk about that for a few minutes. You can go on if you want to, bud. Um, I just want to talk about this verse. And, and again, and this is the same thing we did last night, yesterday evening, when Kristen and I got online. It's like, you know what? I was going to go out to work today. Not going to happen. And so, you know what? Like, what in the world could be better than just like turning on this this ridiculous modern device where we can just talk to the entire world in, in real time and just say what the Lord is saying to me here in my house, my my not my opinion necessarily, but my vantage point and just what God is saying in this hour through this text. Again, we were there this morning in our house um, during our family teaching time, and I just wanted to talk about it. I just thought, well, well, let's just let's just write up some notes and let's just start talking, right? I mean, let's just see what the Lord would say, what He would teach any one of us who are wanting to hear things. As I'm as I'm saying all the time, this is not an hour to just veg out and have some me time. You know, yes, be with your children, be with your your spouse, um, call your friends, visit your neighbors, serve, um, take some people some food if they're okay with that. People are very, I know, I understand. Let's be the extension in the body of Christ to other people. Yes. Let's do those things, but also let's really take time to study, to to pray, to hear what the Lord is saying, to ask your wife, ask your husband, ask your children. What are you sensing the Spirit saying in this hour? What are you hearing? Um, 
We're not talking hearth because as I shared the other day, and this is, man, this has really been resonating with me for the last 48 hours. When I taught um, two days ago on here and I titled it, We Need a Law. Go back and listen to that if you haven't yet. Watch it. Um, We need a law. And like when I looked at the text that we were talking about that context going on, when the book of the law of the Lord from Moses was discovered in King Josiah's reign. He's cleaning up the temple. They're cleaning everything out. They're rearranging. They're they're digging out things, and they find the law. And what did they do? They said, "Holy cow, what is this?" And and of course, it brought great conviction. You know what? We are not keeping God's commands. But what I shared that really continues to speak to me is. The events that preceded that were you named all these different people, these different people who were doing what certain tasks, certain functions that were that was literally the reestablishing of the temple, the building up of the temple in the sense of a reclamation, a a cleaning out and a and a reset of the proper worship of the Lord. And so these people all worked together, all had a part, all lined up and did what was asked of them. What? For the greater purpose, which was for the the glory of God to come and for them, they themselves to be pleasing people of God again. And which, of course, what all the activities of these men, all these different people doing different things led them to what? I'm telling y'all, this is not mere coincidence. They found the book of the law of the Lord. Do we have to realize that's what the the reparation of the temple, the the cleaning up the desecration and all the unholy, unrighteous, like being negligent of the temple. When that was fixed and repaired, and even in the process, as every man carried out their own part of the process, what happened? They discovered the law of God, the law of God that didn't just come and like wield a sword of judgment upon them. They rightly understood, you know what? We are not acting like God's people. We're not acting like his children. We're not keeping his commands. We are what? We're lawless ones. I started writing some stuff yesterday when I got home from work. Oh, my gosh. This, may the Lord speak to us. I don't even go down that that road. We've got to be careful. We in this hour are not being lawless ones. This is what Kristen and I talked about a little bit yesterday. Is like people just want to say, well, if you just love everyone, you are fulfilling everything that God demands of you. If you're just a lover of all humanity, that's enough. Well, listen, we have to be careful because there are many people in like humanitarian type movements and organizations have nothing to do with the word of God, nothing to do with the Messiah. Yet what? Well, they're loving people. They're they're helping others. They are doing something with something that's in their heart. Now, without going down that road too much, we ourselves have to be careful that we actually are within boundaries and guidelines that are given to us from God himself for what? For for knowing how to walk as Yeshua Messiah walked as he perfectly kept all the commands of God. We know that again, he wasn't merely just sinless. He was the perfect 
demonstration of one pleasing in the eyes of the Father. So let's get to the text today that we're going to talk about, or else next thing you know, I'm going to look up in the corner. We're two hours in, and I haven't even got to the notes that I just finished. So John chapter 14, verse 6, we all know this verse. Even if you just tuned in and you've never really given yourself to Bible study or anything, I can guarantee you've heard this verse before because Yeshua comes and he says, I am first and foremost, I am the way. And what I want to do is I just want to take this and kind of pinpoint these things that like when he said he was the way, when he said he was the truth, when he said he was the life. What was he saying? Because otherwise we have all these imaginations in our mind and we can look at a dictionary. All right, that's the way. And this is what truth is. And I know what life is. He gives life. I'm dead. He brings me life. And we can kind of operate right here. But what if there's something more? What if there's something of an expansion of our understanding of what in fact Yeshua was saying, Jesus, what he was saying when he is talking about being these things, being these roles, if you will, for what? For all of humanity who would come into his likeness, into his image and follow his path and his pattern. And so first and foremost, number one, he comes and he says, hey, guess what? I am the way I am the way. And like, let's let's like make. T-H-E in all caps, let's italicize it and let's underline it, make it bold and highlight it. He is the way. Okay, so let's just get some like straight out of the gate. He's saying, look, y'all, there is one way. I am the way. There is no other way. I am it. I am the way. And so the way is the traveled way, the journey I like this one, the conduct. Now, how do you arrive at these things? Like, this is not mere speculation. This is just mere topical word study. It takes about an hour to do one verse if you're really looking here, there, following different verses with the same word. Very practical, simple study, yet it takes us it takes a scriptural understanding that we think we may have, and we may have it sometimes. It may have been taught us correctly. Or we may have actually, by the goodness of God, landed on truth. Or it might be like, that means nothing like I thought or nothing like I've been told. Sometimes it generally lands with me for one of those two things. But when he said he was the way, he was the traveled way. He was the journey. And lastly, he was the conduct. He was the conduct. He was the the means of walking along this journey, this this way. He is the way. I've been doing another study for the last, I don't know, two or three weeks. I don't know if I ever get it finished, which is basically talking about the scriptural understanding of walking as the Messiah walked. When he was on the natural earth as the natural God man, he was God. He was fully God, fully man. We know that. But he did walk in the Emmanuel reality. He was a he was a living being who grew up as an as an as any other man, yet perfect, flawless, keeping all the commands and righteous demands of God. So there's this conduct of life. And as you look upon these words like journey, conduct, the way you're going to you're going to write immediately, you're going to get to walking. And the word walk is just always related. Now, in the Old Testament, it's this word halak. 
It is halak, and in the New Testament, it's peripateo. Um, and it talks about like how, again, how you conduct your life, how you conduct your decisions, your, your thoughts, um, your family, the way you walk in your function, the way you actually demonstrate the kingdom of God on the earth as a natural man in what? The same way, the way that the Messiah walked. And now it's a traveled way because he has already gone before us. We're going to get to that in a minute, but like just he was one of the words you can use is highway. He we know is the the forerunner. He is the one who has gone before us. Now he didn't just go before us to like do all the work and do everything for us so that we just come in and just hey, this is awesome. Like, you know, like if we said Yeshua Messiah was clearing a path through this hill behind me, in, in, in modern day Christian thinking that I've been taught in my 46 years of life for the most part, says Yeshua Messiah came and he spent his entire life carving a way right through that hill so that you just come and stroll right through it and you don't get any briars and you don't get any thorns and you don't ever sweat and you don't ever get out of breath and you don't, you know, because he did it all. He paid it all. Now, listen, we have to be careful that that in a certain sense, that is true. He paid the ultimate price, the ultimate cost. He's all these things. Yes. And amen. But you know what he did? He did all of that to show you how to do it. He did all of that to show you how to walk along the journey. And that's your conduct, your conduct. And we've got to move on how you how you hold your life, how you live, your decision making. Are you living in a surrendered will unto the Father? Because the way that he walked was a very specific way. It was a way completely submitted to who? To the Father. He says, I am the way. And so next we know what? He is the truth. Again, highlight, capitalize, bold, italics, the Truth. He's the truth. He is the state of mind, which is free from your own personal affections, pretense, falsehood, or deceit. Certain fact. And friends, this is something that the modern day church, I would say, from my perspective, it would do us great good for us to just sit back and say, you know what? What is truth really? Because in this hour in 2020, Truth is very much dependent upon whatever you think it should be. I think God is, he's just love. And so like, if I want to be in the truth, I need to love more. If am I may, you know, we could go all day long talking about how people assess what is true according to our own intellect, our own understanding, our own preference. But this makes it clearly when you look at the word study for the truth, it is certain fact free from deceit, free from falsehood, free from what? Pretense. And instead of like assuming we know what truth is, how in the world do we know? How do we know what truth is? We referenced this a little bit yesterday when Kristen and I sat right here and recorded yesterday's episode. How do we know what is good? How do we know what is right? How do we know what is truth? I mean, we have got to give ourselves to realize that we have just flippantly said in our minds and by our actions, truth is just kind of, 
it's just kind of whatever we make it to be. Let's just be honest. We, we say we're seeking truth or the Bible is truth, but yet do we, do we really order our entire lives? Again, if he's the way, which is conduct, are we living a life that is rooted and established in absolute unshakable truth that we find in the word of God. Again, I can't shake this. It's just like when Josiah, when they found the law of God, they found what? They found truth, y'all. They found the commands of God that was what? For their good, for their safety, for their wellness, not just not just to be found righteous and pleasing in God's sight, but also for their own good and provision. It was for them. And when we find what is best for us, we find the Father because it's his order to lead us into his goodness, into his perfect righteous ways, so that we can rightly know him as he is. He has given us everything that we need to what? All these things we can name the scripture for righteousness, to be holy, to be consecrated. We need a law to give us what? Parameters. We cannot say, like we said yesterday, and I said uh, two episodes ago, we cannot merely say we are just in Jesus and therefore we're walking in truth. He said, I am the truth. I am according to certain fact. There must be no deceit, no falsehood, no pretense which comes from our own opinion of what is right, best, good, or true. We must remember he is the truth, okay? We must get rid of self-defined truth. We've got to be careful with that. It's the garden lie deception. Can we not say, if this is a stretch, that's fine. I'll admit that it's possible. But can we not say, just at a topical area here, of the garden lie and deception when, because what happened? The truth was, was just intimacy with God, which is what we're talking about. And we're going to culminate with here in a minute. Intimacy with the father was absolutely at its peak and prime in the garden of Eden, right? It's in paradise and people are interacting with the father. Adam and Eve are walking alongside Yahweh God, right? Now we can talk about, well, was it Yeshua because it was walking? All these things that is somewhat complicated and we're not getting there today. But there was this intimate interaction between the creation and the creator. It was this beautiful interaction. Why? There was only truth. There was only truth. There had not yet been any deceit. There had not yet been any falsehood. There had not been any pretense where mankind said, you know what? I've got a better idea. But what happened? It came right away. It came, I would say, from my understanding presently, it came pretty quick. Mankind believed deceit. They believed deception. They believed according to their own perception that, you know what? I don't think this is true. I don't think this is really true. So I need to insert my own opinion, my own preference to what? make my own decision, not based on truth. So Yeshua says, I am the way. And he says, I am the truth. So in other words, if you want truth, you have got to come into me. And therefore you will find what? Certain fact, certain fact. And he goes on to say, I'm the life. Okay. This word life is, I believe it's pronounced Zoe. You can find some connections with salvation and, and regeneration with that. If you look at the texts in the new Testament, it basically means to be possessed by vitality. It means to be charged. It means it means to be animate, moving, living. 
truly alive, we're told in the scriptures, that he didn't just come to even give you just life. He came to give you what? Abundant life, like super, super vitality, right? Um, the same word throughout the Gospels for eternal life, life abundant, everlasting life is this word, Zoe. I thought of the woman at the well. She comes with her natural water pot. I taught on this in the podcast, pathdesign.com. You can go look for it. I don't remember what it's called. Talking about the willingness for us to humble ourselves and to give ourselves to what? To abandoning our own natural needs, our own natural tendencies and exchange them for what? For what Yeshua offered her, which is, hey, you know, you can keep coming back here. You can keep coming back and you can gather water, man, bring your water pot all day long, but you're going to come back tomorrow and you're going to come back the next day and you're going to come back the next day. But guess what? I have something you don't even know about yet. I have something to offer you. You don't even know. It's life that never runs dry water life it never runs out what it's eternal it's perpetual and it flows from he himself into anyone who will make that exchange to say you know what i'm not possessed by vitality and i'm telling you if you're not in yeshua messiah you are not possessed by vitality you might come and go you might kind of like ride on emotions and when things are awesome man you're cruising and when things go bad you don't have vitality vitality listen man man stay on track here but like listen this virus thing okay it's on the earth right now obviously we know that and that's not my thing to talk about you have a much better opportunity to remain healthy should you get that virus if in fact you are possessed by vitality physically speaking it is what it's you're more vulnerable if you're if you're elderly and weak and if you're if you have these tendencies in the natural physical body of, of being more vulnerable, if you're an infant, you know, all these things, right? Well, why is that? Because you're just, you're just kind of, you're not vital. You're not full of vitality. You're not full of vigor. You're not living life abundant, like in the natural, you're kind of, you're not at your prime. You're not in a good place. And so you're more vulnerable. This is absolutely true. I would say from the spiritual application as well. If we are walking in life, abundant, eternal life, everlasting life, when these things like this right now, here and now on the earth, when they come, you know what? Hey, I am spiritually strong. I am spiritually established. My spiritual immune system, man, I'm going. I'm okay. I can be sustained by the eternal, vibrant vitality that God himself has given me by what? Yeshua Messiah. The way, the truth, the life. Okay? This same word, we'll just touch on this and we'll move on, is exactly related to the Ezekiel reality when the life and the breath is breathed upon the dry bones. Now what happens? The dry bones, of course, they start to shudder and crack and, 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 and what? They come to life. It's the exact same understanding. And this is the word Hayah. Now this is, you know, this may bring back memories from there's my neighbor. What's going on, Walter? Um, Hayah. It's it's easy to remember even for children. Um, 
it, it plainly means life, and it can also generally mean insinuating to be quickened and to made alive, and it can even mean to, mean to be healed, restored, and revived. Now, listen, we are people who have forsaken what we were created to be. We were created, we know the garden reality, again, the scripture we talked about at the beginning as well, is we were created in the garden to walk in intimacy with the Father, with the perfect creator, no separation, no division, no sin, no shame, no rebellion. And so what? We can, in Messiah, who is the way, who is the truth, who is the life, be restored, revived, healed, made alive, and quickened, just like those dry bones in Ezekiel. Now, when I jumped over to Ezekiel, I couldn't help my help myself. Ezekiel's pretty awesome. I kind of like hanging out there. Well, I landed in 18, verse 21. Now listen to this, okay? Because this is an Old Testament principle. I want to make a point crystal clear here in the next three and a half minutes. Ezekiel 18, 21. If the wicked person repents of all the sins he committed, if he keeps my laws, and if he does what is lawful and right, then he will certainly live. He will be quickened. He will be restored, revived, healed, made alive. He will not die. None of the transgressions that he has committed will be remembered against him. For the righteousness that he has done, he will live. Do I take any pleasure at all in having the wicked person die? Asked Adonai Elohim. Wouldn't I prefer that he turn from his ways and what? Live, be quickened, be changed, be revived and restored. On the other hand, when the righteous person turns away from his righteousness and commits wickedness by acting in accordance with all the disgusting practices that wicked people do, will he live? Will he be quickened? Will he be revived? None of the righteous deeds that he has done will be remembered. This is a sobering thing for us now. Don't you dare throw this out because it's Ezekiel and not Ephesians. We have to be careful. For the trespasses and sin that he committed, he will die. Listen, let's just talk in a way that my eight-year-old son can understand. That is the absolute opposite of living. We do know that, right? He will die. He will not be full of vigor and vitality. He will not be an overcomer. He will not know abundant and everlasting eternal life. We have to understand what this is saying. And so we see this continue. And this is my main point within this text and why I even brought it about. This, so many people, and I understand it, this was me my whole life until very recently, right? People want to say that the church started when the Holy Spirit descended. And like the ways of God started in this age, in this era, in this epoch of time that we now live in, this age of grace, which is true, started when the Holy Spirit came, indwelled men in the upper room, and the church was birthed. But listen, man, we've, we've got to be so careful because, like, when we read texts like Ezekiel, you could take that and change the verbiage and make it something that Yeshua said, and they are absolutely identical. Identical. Now, what's the main difference, right? This one in Ezekiel from the Old Testament time period, what does it talk about? It talks about transgressions. It talks about righteousness. It talks about the way you live, the way that you walk, that we already talked about, the halak, the way that you carry yourself, um, the conduct, if you will, which goes back to where we already are, the way Yeshua is what? He is the conduct for us to walk according to. So this talks about 
ways of righteousness, righteous deeds. Okay, so now here we are in this age post-Messiah, where he has already come, fulfilled everything to perfection, ascended to the Father, sent the Holy Spirit down. He is now our mediator, which we're going to get to in just a mere moment to close. But listen, nothing has changed. Yeshua did not come down and undo everything God has established. It is the same. He was the absolute personification of the satisfactory demands upon a man. Oh, my gosh. That you and I now can move into. He has become our righteous deeds. He has become our righteousness. He has become our holiness. We now are him. We are the Emmanuel reality. Why? So that he can be the way, the truth, and the life. The regenerated life that is for us is not a new idea. It is not some post Holy Spirit descending idea. This is the pattern of the eternal word of God from the very beginning. Why? To redeem mankind from their rebellion, to purchase us and redeem us and bring us back into the garden of God, where we once again can, we are, every man is given the opportunity to enter into intimacy with the Father. Okay, this is no new idea. This is no new religion. This is no new movement. When Yeshua came, he didn't come and say, I have a great idea. This is what I just talked about two days ago. Hey, I've got a new idea. I've undone everything the Father did in the Old Testament. You know, it's Old Testament. Not as if he would have even called it that. I have a better idea. I'm on. Just forget all of that. We're moving past that now. We're going to do something progressive. No, he said, I am embodying every single thing my father said must be fulfilled for you to return to intimacy with him. Matthew chapter seven, straight is the gate. Narrow is the way which leads unto what? Zoe, life. And few are what? Few will find it, friends. Man, I'm telling you, every time I read these types of verses, I'm like, oh, God, will I be one that finds it? Will I be one that finds it? Because we're talking about an way, way, way less, I believe, will find it. The remnant reality is probably much smaller than even we want to admit is possibly true. Why? Because we don't want to miss. We don't want to be excluded. And friends, if you are just trucking along in like modern Christianity, just doing a Bible study once a week and like you don't commune with the Father, friends, you're missing the abundant life. You're missing the purpose of the vitality coming into who you are. And giving you literally a dry bones reality where like outside of that regenerative work of God, you cannot even know him. You are having that. Where where are we again? Ezekiel, you have a heart of stone and you cannot respond. Look, I have a cup right here and and a pocket knife like this cannot respond. This cannot respond to any kind of pressing or moving. Let's go back to yesterday. We talked about the potter and the clay. That glass is incapable of impression and movement and response. It is hard. We are told in the scriptures, you do not ask Yeshua Messiah. You don't ask Jesus Christ into your heart, friend. Like I may have all my listeners drop off right now, but we have not been invited into just saying, oh, Lord Jesus, come into my wretched heart of flesh and rebellion and stone and dwell there. Make a house there. You know what he said? You know what? Guess I have an I guess what? I have an idea that heart 
is vile. I cannot indwell that. I've got to take it out. I've got to take it out. and I've got to give you a new one because I'm an awesome, awesome giver of what? Of Zoe, of life, abundant life. And that old heart, it's in the bloodline of the first Adam and it's got to go. It's got to get out of here because I want to move you into the last Adam reality, the last Adam bloodline that says, you know what? Now you can have intimacy with the father because why? Because I am the way I am the truth. I am the life. And if you come through me, you will know the father. So let's bring this to a close for real. Maybe. Okay. So for anyone who what comes through me, right? And the one, no one comes to the father. Again, let's just take a tiny little piece. And I promise this is going to be closing soon. No one can approach or appear before the Father unless you come through by means of me. Okay, so like let's just let's just bring this to a close right here and right now. This no one comes to the Father. Let's just use like we don't I don't want to get into like judge and all that stuff, imagery of going into a court, although that is very good. We don't have time for all of that legal stuff. No one's going to come and approach and appear before the Father unless you go by means of the Son. You will not ever know the Father unless you, according to the Son, go through Him. Like if you can imagine this hand right here and like you're not getting to me unless you go through my hand. And listen, that is the simple understanding of Yeshua Messiah, why he came. He did not just come to be the sinless God, man, and then just go back up to heaven and hope we figure it out. He said, you know what? Follow me. Follow me. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And you know what's awesome within that? We do not want to go to the perfect, righteous, holy father in our own strength. We don't want to on based on our own merit. We do not want to appear before the father. And you know what? This is his goodness. This is his kindness, because this is why I asked Noah at the beginning of this program today. What was the deal with Uzzah? Uzzah reached out to catch the Ark of the Covenant. It was falling and the young man fell dead, y'all. Now, we can talk about that doctrinally all day long, but listen, there is a holiness, there is a righteousness, there is a an exalted power and authority, and like we cannot even look upon Yahweh God eternal. Well, why is that? Because he is absolute perfection. And so the son has got to be in between he and I. He has got to be what? The mediator Messiah. He's got to be the great high priest sympathizer. He's got to do that. Go to pathtozion.com and do a search for the mediator Messiah message I did last fall. These things we've got to understand. He can be seen. He can be rightly approached. We can appear before him. But how? According to his pattern, through the way, through the life, through the truth, there is a door, there is a gate, it is narrow. Few are going to go in. But we must go through Yeshua by means of the Messiah. We must go that way. It is the only way you or I or any other person will ever get through. And lastly, as we talked about in our whiteboard teaching yesterday, I alluded to it a little bit twice. God was walking with man in the garden. No shame, none, zero, no hiding. This opportunity, I say, from my present understanding, is extended to us now via Yeshua. 
I think for anyone who will do these things that he did, walk as he walked and go through him and see the Father and behold him by means of the Son, I believe we can reinstate rightly approaching and appearing before Yahweh God. We can again go to him. Why? Because Yeshua Messiah has satisfied every single demand for us to be deemed righteous and pleasing in the sight of the Lord. He is the Hillisterian. He's the covering. We won't get into all that. He's all these awesome things, the imagery of the temple. He covers, he preserves, he keeps, he guards. He is the mercy seat, and he is the in-between, and there is no other way to the Father but by him, and he makes that crystal clear. We have intimacy, rebellion, shame, hiding. Repentance is the only way in now. He is the way, he is the door, which what? It leads us all the way back to what we abandoned as humanity in Adam and Eve. Intimacy with the Father. So Yeshua tells us clearly, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one ever will come to the Father and stand and approach, stand before, appear before and approach him, except by means of me. So friends, be encouraged today. There's one way, but guess what? He's knocking. He's wanting to reveal himself to all of humanity. So let's just yield our will, go into him and walk as he walked. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Amen.